Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire as we It's our final race week episode of the 2022 season and we're previewing the finals with Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedregon. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. From championship hopefuls to those teams that are on the outside of a long shot, we're going to talk about it all. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Cruz Pedregon, 395.8, 324 miles an hour. A margin of victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here. It is the final episode of the 2022 regular season for the NHRA Insider podcast. And I guess it isn't just a regular season, it's just the season period. As we are now at the finals week, the Auto Club finals coming this weekend at the Pomona Fairplex at Auto Club Raceway Pomona, which is the last time it will be called that in the world of NHRA drag racing. Uh, we got a lot to talk about on this show as we have Tony Pedregon and Kevin McKenna coming on in a few minutes to go over and kind of preview the race. Uh, but the SEMA show was last week, and Tony Pedregon and I were there at the SEMA show interviewing a myriad of people on the NHRA stage, from racers to, to big wheels in the industry. We broke some news, and uh, we should probably lead with that. And the biggest news we broke last week was a kind of a dual-headed story. The first part of the story is the fact that the Fairplex has extended their agreement with the NHRA to the 2033 season. That means the Pomona Fairplex will be part of the NHRA schedule until 2033 at minimum. There were stories that were published on the Internet, specifically one story, that uh, said that they were going to basically develop the area the drag strip was on and that was going to be the end of drag racing in Pomona. The Fairplex uh, not only refuted that, uh, kind of put their money where their mouth is and extended that NHRA agreement for what amounts to another 10 years. So uh, we're uh, not going to be going anywhere when it comes to drag racing in Southern California, and that is a really fantastic thing, I think, for everyone. The second part of this is maybe even more exciting than that. It is the fact that In-N-Out Burger has assumed, after this race, the title sponsorship of the facility as well as the NHRA finals. So when we get back to Pomona next year, it will be in and out drag strip at Pomona. How cool is that? in and out of course, a Southern California iconic franchise, long been tied into the world of drag racing. Um, you know, the original founder of the company was a part owner of Irwindale Drag Strip. They sold in and out burgers at Irwindale at the, at the uh, snack stand, if you will. And Lindsay Snyder, who is the current uh, operator of the company, is an NHRA sportsman racer, and she is somebody that, uh, that loves the sport of drag racing. And so this kind of... Uh, this kind of a team up, if you will, really is great. And uh, In and Out is not a company that does a whole lot of marketing and advertising. So this is a passion project and one that makes total sense for our fans, for our racers, and uh, really for the whole sport. So uh, we'll have one last race at Auto Club Raceway Pomona, and then it will become In and Out Drag Strip at Pomona. And the finals each year will be the In and Out NHRA finals. So. Um, that was a couple of big pieces of news last week, and there's a lot of rumors and speculation rolling around that we're going to get to when we talk to Tony and Kevin regarding things moving forward for next season. Uh, there's already some talk about crew chief changes, already some talk about some people floating around, some, I'm not going to say ownership changes, but there's some owner discussions going on, some sponsor discussions going on, and some things just generally happening in the sport that are pretty exciting that will bring us into an off season that... Um, that I think has the potential to maybe even rival next year or last year's. Uh, the week in Las Vegas was unbelievable. 
Obviously, the Las Vegas race itself was incredible. Hector Rana Jr. twice in a row gets the job done. Um, not seemingly out of nowhere, but but without Steve Bryson stepping up and the Get Rec sponsorship, uh, the Global Electronic Technology sponsorship, those guys wouldn't even, even have made it to Las Vegas. So not only did they show up, they won uh, after having won the Dallas race. And now they're coming to Pomona and God only knows what they can do there. We know one thing they can't do, which is win a championship. And I'm going to talk a little bit in a while with Kevin and Tony regarding uh, Hector Rana Jr.'s role in this countdown and, and what it means for some of the competitors. Um, how about Matt Hagan? Matt Hagan steps up to the plate, uh, keeps himself very relevant in the conversation. Now, Matt Hagan and Ron Caps are a bit at the mercy of uh, of Matt Hagan coming into this thing, or rather of Robert Height coming into this finals. But, you know, Height smoking the tire in the finals and and Matt Hagan being able to drive to the wind light was a big moment in Las Vegas. Of course, Eric Anders locked up a fifth career championship at the Nevada Nationals and uh, a deserved one at that. Incredibly dominating season, a season that um, that maybe even she could not have perceived, and she will seek her 11th victory in Pomona this coming weekend with the championship already sewed up. So it is, uh, it is a pressure-free, almost victory lap here, and Really, the substory, if you will, in pro stock will be if uh, Elite Motorsports can hang on to all three of the top positions. One, they're trying to go one, two, three, and lock out the end of the year. Now, KB is trying to do their best to bounce their way into one of those top three spots, and Kyle Koretsky really has the best position to do that. Again, there's more news coming in pro stock, and we'll preview some of that uh, with Kevin and Tony here in just a couple of minutes. And Top Fuel, which is the great story of all season long, comes to a head uh, in Pomona. Four, really five kind of contenders here. But we walk in with Brittany Force uh, leading Justin Ashley by a mere seven points. Then we look down and see Mike Salinas and Antron Brown. And eventually we get to Steve Torrance. Um, the, the reality of the situation is it's really Brittany, Justin, Salinas, and Brown that are really the, the big four here. Uh, it's a little bit far to think about. As far as Torrance goes, and now again, points and a half, of course, all the way across the board. That's points and a half in qualifying. That's points and a half in elimination. So nothing is out of the realm of reason yet. And when we look at the remaining three championships, you know, Matt Smith's coming in with over 100 points under his belt. So that one is uh, effectively when Matt kind of stages the bike and what we would assume to win first round on Sunday, that one's pretty much over with. Funny car needs to go a little bit deeper than that. But if we end up with a situation with... Brittany Force and Justin Ashley on opposite sides of the ladder, uh, that becomes a, t- a winner-take-all final round if they make it that far. All scenarios we'll discuss, and, and all scenarios that are plausible. I mean, Justin Ashley losing in the first round in Las Vegas was uh, probably the single most shocking moment of that entire race. I mean, we had some we had some shockers. We had some near shockers with Steve Densham almost knocking out Matt Hagan in the first round. But Justin Ashley's first round loss to Clay Milliken, the car smoking the tires and, and Milliken getting down the racetrack, um, was significant. It was uh, a moment that um, that thwarted him. Now, it doesn't, to me, the way the day played out, it didn't change the scenario all that much. Meaning that, if we look at that alternative kind of, let's talk about it a little bit of alternative history, uh, he is still going to come into this thing in a virtual knot with, with uh, Brittany, depending on, you know, if we do the math out both ways, it's gonna, he's going to come in at a near-dead heat with Brittany as he is right now. Now, he would have been on the right side of it as opposed to the wrong side of it as he is. But, you know, in this in this sport, as we've seen, seven points with four qualifying sessions out there um, can be shrunk down. That said, 
Britney's car is obviously one of the most incredible qualifying cars we have seen in the last however many gazillion years and all those top 10 runs she has and those speed records and those track records um, you have to believe that they will be coming out of the gate with literally everything they have to try to gain every single qualifying point they can to stretch seven points into as many as they possibly can they cannot stretch it to more than a round but they can make it more difficult and that's um that's really all you can do and it's going to be a level of intensity maybe i don't say desperation but it's going to be it's going to be high energy let's just say through the course of qualifying uh over the four sessions we'll have at the nhra auto club finals this weekend but las vegas was great on every level uh whole shots all over the place tony stewart makes his debut makes a final round it ends up running into Madison Payne uh, in that final round and loses by two ten thousandths of a second. Uh, she wins on a whole shot, you know, reaction times within four thou of each other. It was absolutely classic, and, and to a degree it was um, the perfect ending uh, to, a, to a degree. I mean, it, you're, it wasn't for Tony Stewart. He wants to win the race, but I think if you're a fan of drag racing and, and you wanted to showcase this guy's debut and you want to showcase the sport, what better way is there to do that than have him not only have a successful race weekend, that's good for the newspapers and good for good for the, the coverage of the event, but then have him come up so short in a way that he's never lost in a, in a tighter race in his life. 24 different styles of race cars he's driven. We talk about all the halls of fame, all the wins, all the everythings he's ever accomplished. And two ten thousandths of a second is a margin that he's never lost by. The other caveat here, of course, is is he's never lost in head-to-head competition to a woman, um, especially one that is about 20 years old and had to get back to college for a midterm the day after eliminations. So there's a whole lot of stuff that um, that goes into that storyline that went into that entire story that was just, in a way, magic. Um, you know, I, I believe that the hook is certainly set for Tony. I, I feel as though he got a he got the experience that. Um, he needed to have on that race day to fully embrace what uh, what he's trying to do in drag racing meaning that if you roll up in and you, you had a good car the mcphillips car is is unquestionably great uh matt cummings is running for a world championship in that car with a different body on it of course so for tony you have good equipment you have a good tune-up you get to you get to dive in there and, and run head-to-head with people for the first time you get to prove to yourself that you're capable of standing in the ring with them reaction times are solid all weekend long and then you also get to experience this moment where just when you think you have it all going on, it stops immediately. And that's the drag racing way. The drag racing way is that there is always a hard stop um, at some point, And that hard stop can be very difficult to swallow. And in the first one of these to have happened to you, it's not even difficult to swallow. It's just almost um, comical to, to lose by two ten thousandths of a second. And we saw his uh, sportsmanship and grace as he uh, went over there and shook the hand of, of Maddie Payne and, and wished her well. It was her first national event win and surely one that she will never forget. And, you know, with her lineage and her parents, uh, I don't think this is the last we'll uh, be talking about Maddie Payne and driving something powered by nitro and not necessarily in just the um, fuel-injected manner. So I have no I have no grounds to believe she'll be in a top fuel car anytime soon, but I have no grounds to believe that she won't be in a top fuel car at some point. And the same could be said for Tony Stewart. I think um, – I think the next level story here is the next time those two meet, not in injected cars, but down the road, if they ever have to race each other in top fuel, it'll be a really fun callback moment. 
So that's my impressions of Vegas. Kind of a setup here for our conversation with both Tony Pedragon and Kevin McKenna. And since I've set it up, let's get right to it. I welcome our guests onto this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast for the final race of the 2022 season. Kevin McKenna and Tony Pedragon. How are we doing, fellas? Doing great, but boy, it breaks my heart to hear you say "last time." Uh, we're, we're having so much, we're having so much fun with this. I, I think we should just keep it going through the off season because, as we're about to find out, there is a lot going on in the off season. There is a lot going on, and and there's listen, there's a lot going on in, in this Tony Pedregon guy's life too. Because he didn't even go home. You stayed out west, man. I'm envious. I'm finding out stuff I don't even want to know. People <laughs> walking up to me, and <laughs> talking to me telling me don't tell anyone and then a few seconds later somebody walks up and tells me the same thing it's like guys don't tell them not to say anything if everybody else as they say as they say a secret is something you tell one person at a time (laughs) (laughs) so well glad you i'm glad you sent the scout out uh i'm out here in uh, socal about 10 15 minutes away from the track and it's raining but it's gonna it's gonna vanish i think by tomorrow it's gonna be clear and sunny and cool over the weekend yeah, it's going to be fast. And and before we get into Pomona proper, let's just kind of put a capper on uh, on Las Vegas. And you know, we'll start with you, Kevin. And and I want to start with Pro Stock just because that officially wrapped itself up in terms of a championship there. And obviously, it was no surprise. All of us kind of figured this is the way it was going to go. But um, it is still just an impressive thing to watch, and has been all year long. Yeah, well, I mean, Las Vegas was an amazing race. All, all the way around and as you said you know erica winning the race winning the championship was no surprise but honestly that didn't make it any less dramatic yeah uh, you know even though it was more or less a foregone conclusion um th- that was still a really good race and yeah she dominated but um it, it was uh, uh it was entertaining if you were watching from the stands it really was, and Tony, to me, it's like this Christian Quadra guy shows up to Vegas and just starts shooting the light bulbs out. I mean, he whole-shotted his way deep into the rounds again, which he typically does there for some reason. You'll never be able to deny talent. I mean, if you look at the history and the ability of, of really, uh, you know, all the Quadras, you know, of course, the, the two boys in particular, and then you factor in the performance of the car, and I mean, I think when the, the driver is in sync with the car, and, and I think we're starting to see that. We're seeing improvements in the, in the performance, so I think I think eventually when they can run within a hundred to even three hundredths of a second from the leaders, you know, I think these guys are going to be a handful. I think they're going to be big trouble. I mean, look at, look at, look at the problem that Matt Hartford has <laughs> with right. continually. And, um, you know, I think that's going to remain and I think that'll make it uh, interesting. But I think overall, uh, the rest of the field, with the exception of Erica, they've got some work to do. And if they can get close, the talent is there to compete with her. Is there any reason I'm posing this to both you guys? Is there any reason for us to believe that she doesn't she doesn't win this weekend with no pressure on her shoulders, making a victory lap? Is there any reason to believe she doesn't do it again, Kevin? Uh, no, 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 none whatsoever. And and you know, typically you see a lot of times once a championship has been clinched, there's a little bit of a letdown. Maybe that intensity that was there goes away, and you you kind of you know have, have a maybe a little different attitude. I don't know that we can expect that from her. Um, you know, yeah, she got her 10th win, which sets a personal best, but, uh, you know, 11 is better. And, you know, she's also something that's kind of overlooked. You know, when Steve Torrance won all six races in the countdown, you thought, wow, you'll never see that again. Well, she, she's on the verge of winning five of them. Yeah. Um, which which is, you know, darn near as impressive. So, so no, there, there's no motivation whatsoever for, for that team to let up. 
Tony, what say you? I agree. I agree. I mean, if you look at her car, look at the car's performance. I mean, she has two to three hundredths of a second on the field. And, you know, you'll get a couple of drivers that can compete with her off the starting line. But, you know, when, she, when that's when she gets the 300s that she needs. So she clearly has the best car. I cannot imagine it's going to change, you know, within a week. Uh, you know, it, it requires teams going back to their shop, um, you know, taking the engines apart, uh, looking at the manifolds, you know, trying to figure out where they can find those two to three hundredths of a second. You go back early in the year, uh, Greg Anderson had it. You know, he had the car to compete with her, but he let her get away, and she outdrove everyone. So she's still, you know, among the top three in uh, terms of reaction time, and her car is clearly better. And you do the math, and, you know, why not? That's, that's um, I wouldn't even take odds if I was betting on that. No, forget about it. And one thing I want to address, and, and we'll do this kind of continually as we go through the classes, there are some things being teased, um, some big stories actually supposedly to be released this weekend about Pro Stock going forward. Um, the first is, uh, my understanding, Kevin, you may have a line on this as well, is that we're going to be hearing about a new sponsor for 2023, a new primary sponsor for Erica next season. Yeah, I, I believe that the Elite team actually has a couple of deals like that in the works. Uh, I understand that Erica's car is funded next year, and uh, you're also probably going to see a different look for uh, Troy Coughlin Jr., uh, and I think both of those deals will be announced possibly this weekend, maybe even, uh, you know, I, I would think certainly no later than DRI. You'll have a clear picture of what's going on over there. And Tony, you had uh, you had Greg Anderson on the PR, or rather on the SEMA stage this week. You had a good conversation with him early in the week, and he didn't tell us anything, but he let us know that we're going to be getting some significant news regarding the future of KB Racing this weekend. Well, he told us enough, you know, and of course, uh, you know, the rumors are flying, and and I think for the most part, it's going to be uh, an acquisition, a change that will likely improve improve that entire team. Uh, you know, if you look at um, you know, it just, look, I, I don't like to, to dive into anyone's business, uh, and especially the economics, but, you know, it's hard to ignore that. And, and I, you know, you, right now you look at the best car, the best team in the field, and, you know, they've got what it takes to throw uh, the funding at it and, and to get the results. And that may not be the case, you know, with KB and the end result. You can, you can see the effect, but, you know, that may change. I mean, look at Clay Milliken when, a different team owner came in yeah. and uh, has been able to feed that car what it needs because these these cars consume parts. Uh, they need good ones. They uh, need a, a constant R&D. Uh, but mostly, you know, good personnel and good parts and pieces. That's what it comes down to. And I think I think the team for Greg and the entire team is, is going to help them be more competitive. I think it will, too. And I think um... – you know, I think it's going to be really interesting when this when this news hits the wires, I think, to see how people will react to it. Also, you know, we're hearing upwards of seven cars under this umbrella next year, and that's um, that's going to be something. I think it's going to be if – it, if it is what we all think it is, then it's going to be – and it was, the deal, my understanding, was finalized in Las Vegas. The paperwork was signed, locked down, ready to go, and, you know, Greg did say we'd be hearing about it this week, and he was uh, unable to release specifics on the SEMA stage, but – will be released over the course of the uh, the race weekend. Let's transition to Pro Stock Motorcycle because that is, uh, in effect, also kind of a lock with Matt Smith coming in upwards of 100 points in. All right, here's a hot take, McKenna. Agree or disagree? Hector Rana Jr. is the best thing that happened to Matt Smith this season. Ooh. Uh, 
No, I, I disagree. I mean, what Hector's done is, is impressive, um, but I don't think that it really benefits or takes away from what Matt's done in, in any way. I mean, Matt's such a savvy racer. He tends to find a way no matter what. And, and honestly, he, um, you know, he's outperformed Joey Gladstone and the rest of the class down the stretch in the countdown when it matters most. Um, you, you knew that Matt was not going to come into the last six races with a bike that was uh, anything less than, you know, a, a top two bike. And uh, he's made the most of it. So, so no, I, you know, the, the Hector story is a great story, but I, I tend to think of it as um, a, a, a bit aside from, from what Matt's doing. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't have done it on his own, but I'm saying Hector certainly made it a lot easier for him to do it on his own. I mean, you look at who he beat. You go back and look at who Hector beat over the last few races. He single-handedly destroyed the Vance and Hines team, just single-handedly obliterated them off the face of the earth, and some of that was their own doing. But, um, again. All, all, all of that was their own doing. But, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, again, I mean, it's for a guy who only ran five races to, to come out and win two is, is amazing. You know, no, nobody, you know, it, well, and, and to prove that, that the Dallas win wasn't a fluke by just rolling right into Vegas and steamrolling that field. Um, it, it, it's awesome. And I hope it leads to a full-time deal for, for the Aranas next year. I mean, obviously the class is, um, you know, better off with them than without them. We, we could use some more good bikes. Um, but again, I don't think it detracts from what Matt Smith has accomplished this year. And Tony, this guy now, Hector, is 12th in the points. Like, how insane is that? <laughs> the guy's 12th in the damn points. What does that say for the rest of the uh, the riders and yeah. the teams that have been racing all year? That uh, should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's 11th, 11th if, you, if you want to tell the truth. That's true. He's 11th. I forgot. Yeah, he's 11th in the damn points. You know, Seema, Seema reminded me, you know, just speaking with some of the drivers, some of the riders, you know, this is a tough sport. You know, we, we talk about what happens on the track and that's, you know, Brian, we're, we're in a tough position, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the, the, I think you and I think and feel the same way. It's, it's never been about if they like this or not. I mean, yeah. they should, because we're just trying to do our job and we're trying to be accurate. And it's nice to hear that you know, some of them actually thank us and say, you know, we, we need that, um, you know, unbiased and, but it's a tough racket. You know, we taught, we spoke with some that are, had a tough year and, um, you know, who knows the shuffling, who knows because of that, there might be shuffling within their team. So, you know, we hate to see people that are replaced, but, you know, it was just a reminder to me that, you know, this is all based on performance and like really has nothing to do with it. Not on our end, not on their end, you know, they have to perform. I know what it's like to have sponsors. And just when you think, hey, sponsors support me, they like me. Um, no, when you're not performing, you're going to get that phone call. You know, so it really starts at the top. And for anyone that doesn't think that that trickles down to the writer, to that crew member, you know, their expectations are a lot more than what, what some of these teams realize. And if they don't understand it now, they're going to understand it eventually. That's just the the... You know, that's the whole idea of racing and competition. It's about performance. And don't think that any of us are above, um, you know, above that. One last question for both of you on Pro Stock Motorcycle before we move on to the Nitro categories. But is there any damn chance, any damn chance that Andrew Hines is not back on a motorcycle next year if Matt matches him with six titles? Feel free to answer at your leisure. Uh, I don't anticipate Andrew coming back. Uh, I, I think I think he probably like to but i just don't know if the opportunity is there right now um 
you know, I ne- never say never. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't wager on this, but uh, my, my tendency would be no. I can tell you that he should. Um, that's all I know. I mean, when, <laughs> when you look at the caliber of that team, and, you know, I've seen all those, you know, we keep the camera. All we want to see the team's reaction. We know what the writer's reaction is going to be. You know, they get emotional, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, is is when I say it's tough, you, you know, you have to, as a driver, as a writer, as a person, sometimes you have to simplify things and, and it, it, not overcomplicate them. It, and it should be black and white. And I've seen those tough expressions and those, I'm sure, tough walks back to the pit for Andrew. And, I, I mean, i got to tell you, as a competitor, and he's a competitor, I can't tell you what he's going to do or what he's thinking, but I know what a competitor is thinking. I, I, if I was on that machine, the outcome would have been different, you know, over and over and over again. So he looked like he was in pretty good shape when I spoke with him. And I don't know. I, I know that, um, you know, of course, Terry Vance, uh, even Andrew hinted to some changes. And that could be with, you know, with the team, with the mechanics, with the parts and pieces and innovations, or it could be with the personnel. But I, I know this, they have the machines, they put the time and the work in and, they haven't gotten the results on the racetrack. Yeah, and I talked to Terry. We all, you know, Vance and Hines was a big presence at SEMA this year as they launched a, a, a product line of truck exhausts. They've uh, moved into automotive exhaust now after really kind of being the um, the, the, the go-to brand in, in motorcycle exhaust. So uh, that's why we spoke to really everybody in the team. I sp- ended up speaking to uh, to Terry and to Angel, and, and you had conversations with Andrew and also the president of the company. And... You know, I think what's interesting is all of them, you know, to a person, all of them said, you know, this is this has just been a year of of getting kicked around a little bit. And and to your point, Tony, the decision makers will make the decisions and then we'll kind of see what it looks like going forward. But, you know, their product is proven. Uh, Joey Gladstone's proven how good it is. Um, you know, I think sometimes we forget that Steve Johnson was actually pretty damn good early in this year, too, before Matt got his stuff together. But. Uh, we'll see Matt with a championship white hat on probably uh, before the second round, if my math is right. Basically, all he needs to do, and, and Kevin, you can correct me, I think all he really needs to do is qualify well and then win the first round, and that's uh, and that's that. Yeah, I believe uh, he's more than 100 points up, uh, 104. So, so, yeah, I mean, he's going to get 15 just for showing up. You know, I think it's 45 to qualify. Uh, that, you know, b- barring something really miraculous, uh, you, you are, as you guess, before the final round, you are going to see him parade up the return road w- with the white hat. Although, if you think back to uh, the 2019 finals. Oh, how can we forget? The, the, the bike <laughs> class has thrown us some pretty significant curveballs. You know, I, I don't know if that sort of lightning is going to strike twice, but, uh, you know, it, it certainly is the lesson of. Uh, you know, never, never take anything for granted. All right, let's move to funny car. And, you know, are we making, Tony, are we making this too complicated and funny car? Like, are we giving Caps and Hagen too much of a chance here? I mean, they got their 60 back. That seems like a lot against height. It's two rounds. The points and a half, it's two rounds. And we've talked about this, Brian. Key is going to be qualifying and points and a half and qualifying. Now, are they realistically going to be able to outperform uh, you know, Jimmy Frost, Robert Height, and qualifying? Probably not. But if they do, if they do, then they cut that deficit. And I think what makes it realistic is the fact that you're going to run into, uh, you know, a, a force or a Tasca or a JR 
You know, Wilkerson, I don't know. I mean, he's, they've been cleaning cleaning house on him all year. I, I don't know at this stage yeah. if he can rise to the occasion. But Alexis might be able to. You know, she's she's pulled a few out. So, you know, if you run into the wrong opponent uh, in the second round, rather Robert, then, you know, that's a game changer for them. So I think by all means. And, you know, of course, that battle between Caps and Hagen in qualifying is going to be very interesting because – you know that that's that could potentially uh, separate them, and and if they make it around, so either of them are going to need some help. But you know we saw what happened to Height last year, and at this stage, at this stage of the game, it is so unpredictable. You factor in the weather; they're doing a little work on the racetrack, and you know there's just so many so many variables that play into that. And yeah, I think I think it's a very realistic chance for both of them. I think it is, Kevin, the best-case scenario, what, what Tony just described, from a fan perspective, because nobody has any other option but to run their stuff as hard as hard as they can. I mean, there's no other approach you can take here. No, no you, it, this isn't pro stock. You can't play the latter game. Although, if you could, uh, it would certainly benefit Capture Hagen to qualify, yeah. say, eighth or ninth, you know, uh, assuming that Robert is probably going to be number one. You yep. give that team four, four shots. They'll they'll hit it square at least once, you know. If you're eighth or ninth, you could hook him second round. Um, you know, you still have to beat him. That that's not an easy thing. But at least at that point, you control your own destiny. Where, you know, if if they race, you know, if, if Height has to run either Capture Hagen second round, then it comes down to whoever wins the race would be the champion. Um, and that's about that scenario. I'm I'm sorry. I thought about that scenario too, Kevin. And the only problem with that is you've got. You got Robert that, that you really wanna you wanna meet in the second round, right? But you could be helping your opponent. So that's that's gonna be pretty tricky to for them to do and even consider. Yeah, and again, it's it's a nitro car. You you don't put a throttle stop on it. Uh, I mean you, you could you could shut off a little early, but you might end up twelfth and, and not have lean choice first round. It's just I, I just think it's too much to ask. Um, so, you know, as Brian said, you probably have no choice other than run your stuff as hard as you can. Hope that, uh, you know, maybe if in, in the good session, I, for whatever reason, doesn't get down the track, you sneak in there, get the pole, you know, make that 61-point deficit 59, um, that then you're within two rounds. Um, that, that's probably the best situation you could hope for at this point. And you got 18 cars here, and and uh, I look at you know Jason Rupert's one of them. You know the 18 cars. Uh, there's going to be a bump spot, which is always a good thing. How quick that bump spot is will be yet to be determined. And so to your guys' point, you know the first round, if everything goes according to to what we think it will, qualifying wise anyway, the first round will probably for those first three qualifiers should shape up the way that they want it to. You know they should they should be able to find a car that's probably incapable of running in the 380s or the low 390s and they can go out there and make a run and so really this this will come down to what happens in the second round most likely is that something we can all agree on the second round will be the defining moment of this season for robert height yeah almost, almost, agree. almost certainly yeah you know and i you know not to single out wilkerson but you know it, when i look at the top three really you look at the top five and for those five drivers, they are among the best, among the elite. You know, I it's not just the car. It's not just the car's performance all year, but the driver, the driver goes with it. It's no coincidence that we see those cars on top because you can take some of the some of the drivers in the bottom half or that are that aren't in the top ten and plug them into those cars. They're a bottom half car. Yeah. You have some of the best teams, some of the best drivers. 
that are competing. And, you know, there's a couple. I mean, hey, J.R. Todd can compete with these guys on the starting line. So, you know, so Captain Hagen, they have to hope that it's going to be one of those sharpshooters because, you know, Blake's hit or miss, you know, Cruz, yeah, he tested good, but, you know, those guys just haven't showed up. And, you know, Wilkerson, I'm, we're talking about a starting line advantage. And these guys just, you know, they might play it safe in the first round, but by the time they get to the second round, you know, what's interesting is unlike Top Fuel, these guys haven't missed, you know, and I, I Bingo. said before. I was just going to say the same you know, damn thing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, before we went into the countdown, I said, look, it's going to take a big race. It's going to take, because that's what it's about in, in the NFL and the NBA and in our sport. It takes big moments. It takes, it takes, um, you know, just just those those times where the driver and the car performs and it's impressive, and we say, "Wow, everything happened!" And all three of them have had those big moments, and they've had those really special moments where they have been so good. So, I think we're all just going to see it come to a head. Yeah, I think you're right. And and the one thing I I could say about all three of those those drivers and really in those teams as a whole that are in the, this position they're in is I cannot look back over the season and think of one specific time where where any of them made a huge error. Right, you're gonna you're gonna swing and miss sometimes. The final round against Hagen, they smoked a tire. So what? That happens. But I can't look at a single race over the funny car season and think, oh man, if Caps had only not done this here, or if Hyde had only not done this here, or if Hagen had only not done this here, then they would be in a different spot. I mean, all three of them have been have been good enough to be where they are, and they earn those spots for sure. Well, Brian, one of the other things that you mentioned because we're gonna have 18 cars. I mean, you go back go back to Robert Hyde last year. You know, with that red light, go back the year before when he barely qualified. So I don't think anyone is above, you know, hitting and missing. But I don't expect it to happen. But stranger things have. Yeah, they have. And, and as we kind of dive back into this uh, rumor mill, um, when we talk about the funny car category, you know, there's already some churn uh, behind the scenes happening on the crew chief front. And I don't know how quickly that's going to expose itself. My guess is probably, uh, I don't know, Sunday afternoon at about 6 p.m. or something when we're walking out of the racetrack. But but uh, it is already happening, Tony, behind the scenes. There is already offers being made, there's phone calls being made, and there's people uh, giving their notice. Yeah, I think some of those changes we'll see. We'll see when we show up, and you know, with with respect to those teams announcing those, um, you know, we're going to see it right on Friday. Uh, in addition to the Tasca team, because there will be some changes there, and you know, uh, uh, Wilkerson, you know, again, respectfully, I'm getting calls from people I don't even know <laughs> asking me, and they're and they're telling me they're telling me about these changes. So I think to say, I think it's safe to say that you know, and of course, the rumors have been that Maynard's going to add a funny car. Yeah, you know, who that driver will be, who the sponsors, who the team. I mean, a guy with deep pockets can fund, you know, can fund a car partially on his own and you know if they start piecing some of this sponsorship together there may be another funny car so it's no big secret i could have kept a secret but <laughs> but when i uh when i hear it from everybody else uh, all bets are off so yeah you know, it's that time of year it, but it's interesting brian is the changes are going to be big i mean they're big name changes to some of these teams and you know it's, it's going to shake things up quite a bit maybe yeah and, and there's also some some on the on the positive side of some sponsor stuff happening uh some let's just call it significant sponsor stuff that could involve funny cars and the uh, the sanctioning body itself that will um, that will certainly have people smiling if not uh, bouncing off the walls when that comes to fruition. Uh, let's move to top fuel because obviously I think this is the premier story of this entire event. And, it's probably been the premier. Brian, yeah. Before you do, I got one last sure. thing to touch on in funny car. We just you know 
You know how many first-round losses Robert Height has this year? Zero. Zero. Only guy in any professional category that has not lost in the first round. How many second-round losses? Just four. So to expect him to go out before the semis, you're taking some long odds there. Listen, you're a lifelong Cubs fan. I'm a lifelong Red Sox fan. These are the numbers that terrify people like us. I know our teams have won World Series, and they've won championships, and they've absolved themselves from so many of the things that tortured us for most of our lives. But those numbers still terrify me when I hear things like that. You are correct, but you know, you still at some point it's wise to play the percentages. And um, in this case, the odds just don't favor uh, the Auto Club team falling flat. Um, it just it happens rarely, and you certainly don't expect it to happen in a moment like this. Tony, so, you, know, you know what that sounds like, Tony? That sounds like a guy that won four grand in Vegas and didn't buy us breakfast. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> hey, don't ask the guy who sat at a table and ask himself, how many how many times can you lose a blackjack hand? I, I figured it had to stop at six <laughs> or seven or eight. So, uh, I'm going to be skeptical about that, Kevin. Yeah, but at least you had good conversation with the guy at the table, Tony. That's all. (laughs) Yeah, that dealer was boring, actually. (laughs) All right. So, McKenna, your point is well taken. I mean, it's it's been the hallmark of their year. They just haven't made that early. They have not made the early round mistake. And as long as they don't make it here, it should be uh, it should be another feather in the cap of Jimmy Proc and Chris Cunningham and, and Robert Height. Now we move to top fuel, and, you know, this is where all eyes are going to be trained to a degree. you got seven points between number one and number two. Uh, Brittany had, let's call it what it is, I think it's one of the most clutch performances she's had in her career to, to put herself in this position coming into Pomona. And that, and even still, when I sit here, I don't necessarily think that I favor her to win the championship. Am I totally out to lunch on this, Tony? No, um, I don't think so because – you know, while what Brittany did was pretty spectacular, it's exactly what the call is for a driver, and that's how you redeem yourself from, from the previous race. The only problem that I see is she still has the car. I'm going to say she still has the best car. The problem is she had a, a 76 reaction time, an 85, and 91 in eliminations. I don't know that you're going to be able to do that two races in a row. Um, like funny car by the time and, and really in top field it starts in the first round i mean sometimes if doug or if langdon if they don't qualify good you know you might race them in the first round so you're going to have it's going to be murderer's row for Brittany. you know you look at justin he had an 035 in the first round so as long as the car shows up for justin i think i think they could almost go toe-to-toe with Brittany in qualifying they didn't in vegas that's the problem but you know yeah. elevation they're coming back down to sea level. The conditions are going to be really good. Uh, they won the they won the Winter Nationals. It's the same place with you know slightly different air, and you know some of the things will change. So look, and they were um, they were I set that they were set to win the damn summer version of the Winter Nationals before he, before you know he turned on to Olaf from uh, from Frozen and had to get taken out of the car. Before that happened, they were going to win that damn race too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I I just think I mean look at uh, you know. Mike Salinas is only 66 points out of first, you know, I, and here's, here's my observation in top fuel. And here's the, this is why, you know, Mike Salinas is, he's, he's got a tough job because I really think it's going to be about Brittany and Justin, but just like in funny car, if either of them, let alone both of them slip up, the door is wide open. And I just think a guy like Antron and Steve, I think those guys are hungry. 
here's the problem with, with the lack of experience. And here's the problem I always try to point out when a driver says, uh, we're just racing, we're going to race our own lane. We're, 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 I don't think about the opponent. Well, that, I've always stated that's garbage. And here's why it's garbage. See, it, if, if you try to convince yourself that it's just another race or it's just another opponent, you're not thinking about it. You're, you can trick, you can potentially trick yourself into racing as if nothing's at stake. You know, when the reality is there's a championship on the line and this is a career changer. And, you know, I just, that that's why, I mean, Josh Hart isn't in this company because, well, he pretty much showed himself the door. And Mike yeah. Selene is red lit in that first round. He didn't double step. He triple step. And he is still 56 points, you know, out of, out of that championship. So I think it's going to be interesting. I'm not going to count out Antron and Steve. I just have a feeling that most of the focus is going to be on Brittany and Justin until something happens. And who does that bode better or worse for, Kevin? Uh, well, first off, is it too much to ask for for Brittany Justin final? No, that's what I want. I mean, damn, I want a, yeah. I want a one and two, and I want a winner take all Orms via motto style. That 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 would be awesome. Um, but as far as who is it favors, I, I have to tell you, I am more and more a bigger believer in Brittany. Just because of the performance that she had, you know, as you pointed out, arguably the best drive of her career in Las Vegas. And and I think, you know, what we all know is that, like, you're as good as your last run. And th that should give you all the confidence in the world you need uh, going into Las Vegas or going into Pomona and just, you know, keep keeping it going. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know we've seen times where, you know, you make a mistake, a bad run, it, it kind of feeds on itself. You know, so, something we've seen quite a bit in Pro Stock Motorcycle. But I, I think the reverse is also true. When you turn in one of your best performances of your career, um, you obviously want to keep that going. And uh, to me, I think she's got the car to do it. She's driving well. Um, I, I don't see any reason why Brittany couldn't just uh, win the last eight rounds of the year to wrap this thing up. Tony, is it fair to say, is it fair to say that Grubnick and Green are the best two crew chiefs for this racetrack this weekend? Given given their recent history and track record, what Grubnick's done at this place over the years, setting records and everything else, and certainly what Green's been able to do with Ashley over the last couple of seasons. Sure, I mean, there's the consistently, yes, yeah. Um, you know, you, you got to watch out for you know for Hogan though. You know, he's yeah, and and even and even Ron Douglas. I mean, these are these are tuners that they've set these cars up to run in the range that a Britney Force can run it. And if, if they can do it in qualifying, then, you know, this really mixes everything up. And, you know, Kevin, I agree with everything you said. The only thing as a driver that you have to caution for Brittany, and, and I'm sure she is surrounded by, you know, a bunch of winners, a bunch of champions that, and, and I think Brittany has been through this. See, the, what happens with the driver is if you have a driver that is, is just, that lives in this range, um, in, in terms of reaction time on the starting line, okay, you're consistently in the 70s and 80s and 90s, but you're very steady, you're very consistent. And then you pull out a 35 in the final. And I've seen a lot of drivers that really aren't, nat naturally by nature, aren't that quick. They have a tendency to think, hey, all of a sudden I've gotten quick. And they start believing that. And then they go up there and they red light. They pull the trigger too early. That is the discipline for Brittany. She, she's in a range, and this is, this is again, this goes back to why you, as a driver, you have to know your opponent. You have to understand what is at stake. And I think Brittany let nature take its course. You know, I you just, I, 
it, it just shows the the lack of experience when a driver says, "Oh, we're not thinking about our opponent," because you are. You slept on it, and that's why you triple stepped the car because you knew you were racing a, a quick drama gong in the other lane. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I, hey, you got to give it yeah. to Brittany for rising to the occasion. Yeah. But you know, you look at everything that happened, you know, and that makes that makes the driver vulnerable when you have five or six drivers out there that are going to get two to three hundredths of a second. Now, if Brittany doesn't allow it, it's her race to lose. What are we thinking, uh, Kevin? What do you what are we thinking Louis T is going to be in qualifying? Because I, I my personally I think it's sub sixty five. I actually I, the number that popped in my mind was sixty four. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't even surprise me to see something a touch quicker, just because we know Pomona runs downhill. The weather forecast looks like Listen, you know, it's got a friggin' it's, high of like sixty-eight on Friday. We're gonna see air of like a thousand feet, and that second session, the DA is gonna be somewhere around a thousand feet. Yeah, so so that that's that just screams mid to low sixties. Um, you know, I don't know if that track holds you know a record type run like a sixty-two, but um, you know, a, a high sixty-three or sixty-four, you'd you'd have me believe in that fairly easy. Tony, what do you think? I, I like the term "full send." That's one of my that's one of my favorite one of the famous best, best things I heard all year. I think you're going to see that from a lot of teams. Not because not just because the conditions are going to be good, but I think because they're going to have to. You look at Steve Torrance, Antron Brown. For them, it starts it starts with that kind of approach, with that kind of philosophy. So you know, I think it'll be a big mistake at this point. You know, for for some teams to plug in. You know, that old beat up three seventy or three seventy two or three seventy four. Um, you know, but, uh, again, the, the degree of difficulty and, and what you get with these cool conditions is you get a, a extremely tight track and you're going to have to bring some serious power and you're going to have to know how to approach uh, a relatively cool track with a lot of grip. Yeah. I can't wait to see how the whole thing plays out. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned pretty much everybody, but Antron in this thing and, and his name popped up, we shouldn't obviously shouldn't write either him or Steve off. Steve is definitely a distant, distant guy back there, but Antron's Antron's close enough to be, to be a big problem for somebody here. And again, it's going to require almost like in the funny car chase, it's going to require some early round stuff to happen. But, um, but let's not forget about old Antron Brown. No, I, I think, you know, hey, Antron is as good as they get. You know, you look at that close race that he lost, um, that, you know, and that would have really changed the dynamics. So, you know, lurking lurking in fourth and fifth are Antron and Steve, and I think they are equally as dangerous, uh, you know, but I think it's just going to take a lot. You know, they've, they've put themselves, like Steve said in his video, you know, they've really put themselves in a tough position. They lost some close races. They were on the receiving end of some of those close races and you know it just seems like Brittany and Justin they've been able to take care of business and I think it's a long shot for Mike and Antron and Steve but they got a shot that's all you can ask for and then there's always the wild cards you know there's there's Josh Hart there's Austin there's there's Langdon if he can get the you know if they can accidentally run that 367 again and if Doug can get it together I mean there's plenty of drivers like we talked about in funny car that could that could really change things in the first, even the second round. Let's talk a little bit of the news and rumor on the top fuel side. The news side, we know two specific things. One is that this will be the final race for John Medlin as a crew chief. Uh, that was, obviously, that's a funny car story, but we'll, we'll bring it into top fuel, as it will also be the, the final race as a full-time uh, crew chief for Ron Tobler. And, 
you know, Kevin, these are guys that you have worked with for your entire career, and I would argue to say that they're two of the most influential guys in the sport over the last 20 years. Oh, absolutely. But, but both of them first ballot Hall of Famers, no question. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the reasons and, and the, the lifestyle, 22 races on the road, it, it takes a toll. And I, I think both of them are just looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, an, an easier pay. C- certainly in Ron Sobler's case, you know, he, he made it public that, that he wants to spend more time at home relaxing. Uh, you know, I don't think that doesn't mean you won't see him from time to time. Oh, absolutely. But, um, yeah, he said as much. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, to see him maybe come out and, you know, be a consultant for, for somebody for four to six races, that I can see. But, um, you know, doing 22, it's it's – it's hard on the young guys. So I think as you get older, uh, you, you certainly have to respect those decisions when those guys decide to, to hang it up and call it a career. And Tony, I know you go so far back with John Medlin. I know you have a world of ex- uh, respect for him. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'd love to get all emotional, you know, Brian, I'm an emotional person. John Medlin knows I'm an emotional person and I hope we do see him. You know, yeah. Every time I see these guys, they, they say they're retiring and they show back up again because <laughs> the, the money does does uh, amazing things to people. But, you know, I think respectfully for both of them, you know, you, you give your life to this sport and, and you're paid handsomely for it. I'm, I'm sure that both of them were, uh, but, you know, regardless, they, um, you know, they've, they've innovated, you know, John Medlin in particular, when you go back to his history and he did a lot and, and he's, he had, always had that engineering background and, and you look at some of the smartest guys, the most innovative guys in the sport, you know, that's, that's where they came from. They were engineers, maybe, you know, with the exception of a guy like Dale Armstrong, but you know, you, you had a mix of them and, you know, John Medlin really goes back to the Dale Armstrong era, Austin Coyle, he worked so closely with and Dick LaHaye. And I think he will walk amongst the greats in our sport. And, um, you know, it, it'll be, It'll be different to not see him there. You know, I'm sure Ron Caps has, you know, forged a relationship with him. But I know I have. I mean, you know, in, in his time in this sport, you know, he'll walk away with, you know, a lot of good memories, uh, hopefully, you know, a, a good retirement. But, you know, he lost his son. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that happened to this guy. Absolutely one of the strongest people that I've ever met, that I've ever been around, um, whether it's faith or, or just the inner strength of a person. I, I think he's pretty amazing. He certainly has proved that and a whole lot more over the course of, uh, of his career. And, you know, some other kind of tidbits on the on the crew chief side. Um, I think it's been publicly announced that uh, that Lee Beard will stay with Cruz Pedregon's team next year, will be a continuing role there. I think Rip Reynolds, who has worked for years with John Collins, will also be retiring from the sport at the end of this season. So that is another movement. Uh, Ron Caps has so much as said they will promote from within their team to fill the position of John Medlin, which I think is always a good thing to get some to get some young and dedicated talent into those roles. And Tony, you asked some, you know, you were going at people in a, in a good way on our SEMA stage. You had Jasmine Salinas up there, and you're like, all right, what's going on with the top fuel career? And she pretty much stood up and said, yeah, we're going to try to get this thing going next year. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I interviewed Perdome and, and John Forrest and, and the innovator of the two-piece connecting rod. And, and I, think Jas- <laughs> I, I think Jasmine Salinas was one of the one of the best interviews that I did. And, uh, you know, she was very, very concise and very detailed about – everything she didn't uh, sidestep or you know tiptoe around any questions but you know we've, we've heard those rumors for the last few years yeah. i mean if you talk to mike you know he's buying all these racetracks and he's going to field five cars and you know i filter through all of everything that i hear but um 
you know, I think the reality is at some point, and, and it may be as early as next year, um, you know, she's in that class to get experience and and to take the next step. And, you know, for anyone that's driving an alcohol dragster or an injected dragster, the next step is a top fuel car. And yeah. I think, you know, she talked a little bit about her accident, and we've seen her, you know, hot and cold in the injected car. But I think mentally she's in the right place. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they expand. I know that Mike's always talked about that. It has to be his end game is to see his daughter or maybe even daughters in in uh, in his class. I agree, and and I think it would be a great thing for Top Fuel Drag Racing. And and another side of this, um, and I believe this guy may be licensing this week in Tucson as we speak. Lyle Barnett, Kevin, is a guy that uh, you and I know a little bit. He's a small tire racer. He came at NHRA Pro Mod, uh, has won multiple races, won the U.S. Nationals this year, got an A-Fuel license. Uh, with Randy Meyer on Monday after Las Vegas, we saw his dad at Randy Lindenbow's uh, wedding on Monday night. We kind of asked his dad, "What's the deal on this thing?" And his father said that uh, this A fuel thing will be a short stop in his career. And they're, I mean, they're planning on going top fuel racing. And and this is a guy who will bring a totally different look to the class. Yeah, it, it, it it's awesome. It, this actually came, uh, I'll be honest, totally a surprise to me. I really initially thought he was kind of a, a door slammer guy for life. But, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he jumped right in the A fuel car and, um, you know, I think went five thirties on his first couple of runs, got his license signed, uh, by Tony Stewart, uh, ironically. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it goes back to your point of, of the, the, the health of nitro racing right now. And, um, it's really good. Cause I think, you know, the people you just mentioned, Jasmine Salinas, uh, you know, there's a couple others out there that you might see a couple other alcohol racers. You might see yes. step up next year. Yeah. And um, there's, there's one guy that, um, I don't, I don't want to give his name out, but there's one guy that, uh, that Frank Holly's working closely with, and they are at the table with, uh, with at least a couple of companies to put something together. So, I mean, there's, and it's, for some reason it's top fuel is the hot hand, right? We see this go back and forth, but right now top fuel is like the place where everybody's trying to get in and I don't hate it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and again, not to mention names, but there's one other girl that I would expect to have a license in the not too distant future. So, um, yeah, I, I think that you know, silly season is always great. Uh, usually starts, you know, Sunday night about five o'clock in Pomona. But I think between that point and the PRI show, um, you, you'll probably see some some knock your socks off announcements. Yeah, and listen, for those of you unfamiliar with Lyle, and I've had him on this podcast before, he is. He, there are times where he can make Al Hoffman seem downright cheery. This is a guy who is who is <laughs> who is menacing, and he is brooding, and he is intense, and he is a winner. And Tony, he is the type of guy that is going to stop hugging people at the top end. There will be no hugs with Lyle. It is a hug-free zone. <laughs> I'm sure all the top field drivers would love to do what they do in football practice preseason. You get you line them up, and then you run you run the the freshman right down the center of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they'd like to do that. And uh, Kevin, hey, let's bump that up. Let's let's get it moving a little sooner than than a Sunday or even PRI for that matter. But but one of the big changes in Funny Car may have a direct effect um, on one of the top fuel teams and and one of the top fuel teams that have a, has a driver that has a lot of championships. They appear to be pretty serious about uh, getting that car back up into the top ten, maybe even the top five. I don't know. If, They'll get there with the changes they're making, but uh, what we, we're going to see a little domino effect from Funny Car that will affect a top field team in a big way. 
And I think the last the last question to roll out there as far as this whole this whole thing goes, and I kind of held on to this one to the end, is you know the speculation is because of everything that's going on. I talked about this for ahead you guys on with Auto Club. They have they have uh, you know systematically kind of peeled back on a whole bunch of different things. We know that it's going to be in and out drag strip at Pomona starting next year. Their their title sponsorship coming off of the racetrack. The at least the murmurs are that Auto Club is not going to be the primary sponsor on Robert's car next year, meaning that they will not be on it for every race. They will be on it for a significant portion of the season. But I have to ask you, Kevin, what does this mean for Austin Proc? Because it didn't mean anything good for him the last time. No, but God, you, you've made so much progress with Austin. Yeah, I, I think you, um, you know, you've got a valuable property there, and if the wheels aren't turning full time to make sure that every car in that team isn't funded next year. And, and you know, despite what some people say about the economy, it seems like a decent business climate. You know, we hear of new deals coming in. Um, you know, even, you know, NHRA just announcing this deal with In-N-Out. Yeah. Um, a couple of the deals that may be announced this week. I mean, there there's interest. Uh, yeah. You look at what we've done over the last three, four years with things like attendance tv ratings yeah um the arrival of tony stewart i mean all of those things have helped move the needle so you know granted it's never easy to 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 go out and sell a program and find a sponsor but um i certainly wouldn't think it's any more difficult than it's ever been so um you know hopefully those questions get resolved quickly in regards to both austin proc and robert height because obviously the sport needs both of them tony what's your take well, I, I always think it's interesting that, you know, when companies start looking at our sport and, you know, we this sport, I don't think it's unbiased for me to say or biased rather for me to say um, it has a lot of value. And I, I think and it's great to see uh, a guy like Tony Stewart and even Rick Ware and hopefully more to, to realize the, the, the value of the asset, the product, the on the track product and I think what's interesting is there are a lot of teams and even some drivers that have a lot to offer. And, you know, I think for drivers, it's what's going to be interesting is, is you, you know, you, you pick a, a stick, right? It's based on your personality and you're either going to be boring. Or you're going to try to leverage that. And companies are going to look at that. They're going to say, look, who is the best fit for us? What, what, you know, what demographic, what's our target? Who's our consumer? All of those things are going to play into it. So, Hey, if you didn't want to do your homework and if you didn't want to polish up your act and, and, uh, you know, try to try to get creative and, and, uh, and show that personality and let that personality shine. Now you may feel the effects of that. And for some of those that have, um, and that did their homework and, and lived it and made the sacrifices and figured out a way to be good and to win races might be your time. You know, that's not going to hurt you. So competition is good. And I know that there are some companies that are looking. Now, whether they are associates or associates that could evolve into a primary sponsor, they're out there. You know, so I think it's something the teams have to leverage, leverage the driver. But for, for crying out loud, and what I really, I guess my point is, put talent in the seats of these cars. Not not the guy you like, not your neighbor, not the guy that's going to take right, the, right. the, the short The short term is a guy that can bring money to the table but for crying out loud is that what we've come to is that where this sport has gotten to some are going to say yeah well it shouldn't because long term that may not be the best decision so i think there are a lot of things that are going to play into you know some of these companies that are interested selecting the teams and the drivers 
because the driver is going to be the representative. They're going to be the spokesperson, you know, for these said companies. So, um, you know, I think if, if some of these drivers haven't been paying attention and they've been going off and doing something else, if you guys want to be a pro, they want us to call you a pro, act like a pro, do your homework. Yeah. I agree. And the one last impression I want to get from both of you guys is I, I waited too long to do this, but uh, your impression of the Tony Stewart debut and how it ended, Kevin first. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> uh, in, 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 in every way, uh, I, I think him losing the final was, I, I don't want to use the word ir- irrelevant, but I don't think that did anything to diminish, um, you know, what you saw him do. Yeah. You know, I got to follow him a little bit and I don't know if I've ever seen anybody who had the sort of mindset of just every detail, you know, going over every single run, like really almost to the point, you you might want to call it micromanaging, but he just, uh, you know, absorbed everything like a sponge. And and you kind of, when you get to know him a little, you realize now I understand how this guy can win three NASCAR championships and an IndyCar championship and basically be a winner in everything he's ever driven. And, you know, as a lot of people have said, it might not be the worst thing, that he didn't win his first final. You know, at least people don't walk away and say, oh, that drag racing thing, it was easy. You know, he took, he, he got the full NHRA experience to lose a final by, you know, two ten thousandths of a second. Um, you know, those things happen. And uh, I, I think that just made him more and more eager to, to, to get back out there to give this another try. You know, I don't know for sure his, uh, his full plan for next year, but I know that he was looking to, uh, out his planner and see the weekends he could race and uh, i would it wouldn't surprise me to see him do uh, at least a half a season uh, in the alcohol car you know i know i asked him if uh, if the mcclellan's car was suddenly available for pomona would he jump in it and he said oh absolutely yeah you know it, it, it's yeah. you know matt matt cummings has that seat filled but um you know if if something were to happen i'd pretty much guarantee you he's got his helmet and fire suit on site just if, if someone happened to be looking for a licensed driver next week, Tony, take us home. <laughs> so if something happens to this Matt Cummings guy, um, Tony Stewart's <laughs> going to be a prime suspect. <laughs> you know, I, I've always felt this way. You know, everybody knows roughly what the number is to to field a team. Okay, let's just let's call it X. Okay, you can give X to somebody sitting in the stands. They're going to build a car. They're going to field a team. They're going to hire a driver. Are they going to win? Probably not. And I think that Tony has the, of course, he has the experience, but he has the personality. I, I don't really see him as a team owner that's micromanaging. Uh, I've, I've, in what little I've seen, he understands. He understands like only a few people do, a few team owners. You know, look at John Force. John Force has a much different personality, but he understands one thing. He understands talent but the right talent and the right chemistry. And I think that's something that Tony Stewart has a knack for. He gets it. He understands it. He's got a great personality. And I see everybody being very, very nice to him right now. I say, give it a little bit of time. Oh yeah. <laughs> when this guy starts beating the pants off of everybody and he will, <laughs> if you let him, if cause you've already let him in the door, but uh, you know, it's, it's great to have him. And uh, I think it was, he made it pretty exciting. I sent him a text. I said, Hey, you made a lot of us smile just watching, and you know nobody's going to argue with the ending. We have nothing. Whether it made us, it made whether we thought it was good for the sport or bad for the sport, it is what it is. Madison Payne earned it. She beat him, and he still walked away with a smile and a great experience. And 
I have a feeling that Tony Stewart enjoys being here. He understands the value. And I think, I think at this stage of his life, it's important to him, like it is so important for a lot of other ones, to not have fun, because I still don't use that word, but to enjoy it. The fun comes after, but I think it's important for him to enjoy his success, but success is something that he will have. Fellas, great conversation today. Look forward to seeing both you guys out there in uh, what will soon be sunny Southern California, which is now damp Southern California. But Tony and Kevin, as always, a great chat, and we will, of course, wrap up this 2022 season following Pomona when we find out exactly how all of our brilliant predictions play out here. Thanks, guys. See you soon. And what more is there to say other than what has just been said? You learned some stuff in there. I'm hoping you got your uh, get your little teaser going on some of that stuff that's going to be announced this weekend and a lot of stories that are set to unfold over the next couple of weeks, especially over the next month leading into PRI and leading into what will be yet another high-performance offseason of uh, shifting crew chiefs and crew members and new drivers and potentially new cars and sponsors. So it's a very exciting time again during this time of the year. Make sure you check us out on NHRA.com to get your tickets to the Auto Club Finals happening at Pomona, California this coming weekend to close out the 2022 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series season. If you cannot make it to Pomona, California, we will have three shows for you, I guess technically four shows for you, on Sunday, all on FS1. We have two qualifying shows for you, and then we have a race elimination show, and then following the race show, we have a post-race show where we'll wrap up the season and talk to the champions and talk about all the good stuff that's gone on over the course of 2022. I'm incredibly excited to get out there to Pomona to see how this whole thing shakes out, to find out who our remaining three champions are, and then to celebrate with those champions at the NHRA Awards Gala on Monday night. It is going to be a wild week of drag racing that will kick off on Thursday at Pomona, I'll be there with Alan Reinhardt calling the Sportsman Action. You can watch us on NHRA.TV and then tune in on Sunday on FS1 to see all the eliminations action. And, of course, make sure you are grabbing your tickets to come see us at Auto Club Raceway Pomona if you live in the Southern California area. I'm Brian Loans. Thanks again to Tony Pedragon and Kevin McKenna for another entertaining conversation. And we'll be back next week with a wrap-up of this 2022 Camping World Drag Racing season after the World Finals. Thanks for listening.